It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by David Walker of the Daily Mirror and Adrian Clark of PremierLeague.com. Let's call it the pressure principle. Managers have the fame, but they're also the fall guys. This is the most pressurised pre-season I can remember. Antonio Conte talks of being destroyed by defeat. He fears the sack. Got to ask the question, what's football doing to these men, David? Do you know something, Mike? Your intro is spot on. I was only thinking myself over the weekend, this is the most volatile season for managers I can ever recall in my working life. I think it's going to be an incredible season where clearly you've got the, the six, seven top clubs who've spent an awful lot of money apart from Tottenham, but they've still got fans expecting them to kick on from being runners-up. And then even in the lower reaches of the Premier League, you've got a manager like Tony Pulis, who the West Brom fans don't really want, and Mark Hughes, where there's this groundswell of disapproval from supporters and a lot of backing from the club's owner. I just think it's going to be the most incredible season to see how long the owners are going to back people who are going to be under immense pressure. As I say, I think there's some cases outside the obvious ones where... Wenger decides he's going to stay at Arsenal despite all the abuse he's had in the past and then announces it was always his wish to stay. For me, the biggest one is Guardiola. The whole Manchester City culture, the, the master plan from the ownership down, the people who were put in place who attracted the man with the reputation as the world's greatest football coach. Time to deliver, Pep. It's really interesting. Uh, Conte, 48 today, by the way. Happy birthday. Um, if you look at the way he's been behaving over the last week or so, we yeah. went through a season where it was pretty bland soundbite. Suddenly, <laughs> he's got an opinion on everything. It's really strange. Yeah, it's almost like I wonder why he's been smoking, Antonio Conte. <laughs> he's been very, very open, hasn't he? And I like that. I, I, think, I, think, I think some of the things he said um, struck really true with me. I, I, thought, I thought his honesty about Harry Kane was... Was fabulous. I don't think he was trying to unsettle Harry Kane. I, I do think he was just being open there about, about his admiration for the player. And um, what I didn't like actually from from Conte was was when he accused young players of not having enough patience. I thought he, mm. he misjudged that, and that is another factor, isn't well, it? You look at that. Natural yeah. Ober, he'd been there seven years, yeah. a number of loans. Well, and was basically just shunted out. Yeah, look, if I was a young player these days, I don't think I'd be looking to join a Premier League giant. The pathway to the first team is virtually non-existent. You've got to be so, so special or get 
unbelievably lucky, really, in terms of, of injuries to, to make it through. I would be joining a club outside the Premier League where make you, you could make your name in a similar way to Delhi Alley. Um, it, the football's changed. First team managers, I don't know why we don't just give them all one year contracts because they're only ever a run of five or six games away from the bullet, aren't they? They are. And the transfer window, the madness which yeah. is sort of consuming that, that's that added to the pressure as well, isn't it? Totally. And, I mean, we are dealing with a, a, an industry where there's been vast riches poured in in terms of the television companies competing to, to cover the Premier League and the spin-offs from, from uh, football into Europe. So the, the, there are fortunes to be earned from that. When I think back to the early 2000 and what, 2-3, and Leeds living the dream and what went wrong for Peter Ridsdale, there's an awful lot of clubs now who will be accused of betraying their supporters if they don't live the dream, which is what Daniel Levy's getting at Tottenham at the moment, mm. when he's trying to be prudent, he's trying to, they insist, trying to sign players. But, I mean, some of the fees we're seeing are just crazy, apart from the fact this is reflecting the income and the ownership, the sponsorship that people are putting into the clubs. Mm. What about the demands of the fans? Are they now becoming unrealistic to the point of being unreasonable. <laughs> let's, let's take a, a man yeah. you know well, Arsene Wenger. Yeah. He was subjected to some awful stuff last season. Yeah, it he? wasn't pleasant. Um, I think social media has, has really changed things, hasn't it, in terms of the fans getting so much more of a louder voice. It's not just those, those few thousand inside but the But anyone can anymore. yell through a, a megaphone, can't they? They can, yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's unpleasant. It, it's, but, but that is the nature of the way it's gone. Everybody's earning crazy money and it's, it's just deemed that you have to put up with it. it, it <laughs> Arsene Wenger, I think, has, has aged, really. You can see it in his face. It, it took a lot on him. And in some respects, I was a little bit surprised that he, he didn't want to put himself through it again. It's just that hunger, I guess, of being a football person, the, the quest for those glory days at Wembley, with the, the times you win the trophy, I guess... If you can get to that point, all this stress, all that strain ends up being worth it. But uh, I don't like the way football's gone in this no, regard. But Adrian, I think that's one of the things that football clubs are now getting wrong. Mm. They're not pursuing enough of the glory days. Mm. I mean, I had a random chat with various club season ticket holders who've bought them for the coming season and said to them, OK, quantify what success is for your team. And Everton fans who are really on a high because they can see uh, you know, the regeneration mm. of their team, they actually say, we want to win a trophy. So Everton fans would love to be in the Champions League next season, but almost want to do it by winning the Europa League. They want that moment of glory, be it a Wembley Cup final. They want to see the trophy. Now, what does strike me is, and you know, Arsene Wenger is somebody who has used this repeatedly over the last 20 years, which is it's all about finishing in the top four. Well, I'm sorry, a lot of the fans that I've spoken to, and certainly my take on it is, it's not about finishing the top four. It's winning things, and, and it, you then go... So that when Arsene said only in the last two weeks about the ethos of the club and doing it properly, and that was more important than just winning, it took me back to when I was a young reporter on a Liverpool trip, and this was the from the Paisley into the Fagan era, and just sitting with them and them talking about the what it meant at Liverpool. And the quip came about, I said, first is first and second is nowhere. Now... Mm. You may not like that, and it's not something that we'd say want teachers to employ in schools, 
but in professional sport, that is what's driving you on. And the fact is that that Bob Paisley team into the Joe Fagan team didn't just win at all costs and it was, we've got to finish top. They actually had a certain style with them as well. So they did achieve more than just yeah. accumulating European Cups and league titles. I think, I think a, lot of these, a lot of these clubs have got no... You can't, not every team can win the league. OK, Leicester did, so maybe that's, that, that's gone against the ground. I just don't see that happening again. I do think there's a slight responsibility on some of these teams to, to, to try and entertain, though. If you're, if you're not going to win a trophy, then I don't like the notion of survival football. And I think some teams, they do not give value for money well, at least in the half, Premier League. At least half the teams in the Premier League are playing survival football. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, don't, I really don't like that. But because the, the, the finances are so, so huge these days, they have to. They're under orders to survive at all costs. I think that is a real shame about modern football and Premier League football. And, and the big selling point of the Premier League, really, around the world, is that anyone can beat anybody on the day that is super competitive. Well, last year was a worry, wasn't it, in terms of the top seven being so far ahead of the rest. I think it's vital, really, actually, for the league that these teams are more competitive and actually a bit more ambitious this season. For me, that was the most disappointing aspect of last year was the fact that those from eight downwards were so poor compared to the rest, and most of them played quite negative football too. But, but how would you feel if you were one of the fans of those clubs and you're literally right off even winning the League Cup or the FA Cup. You, you just feel weakened teams when you're well, not... Well, that's, wanna, a, that's a nonsense. You know, that's absolutely, a, that's, 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 that's the, the yeah. point that that's I'm That's where the managers have to change their mindset. Yeah. We want to pursue glory, we want mm. to win things, so go for the Cups. And that is the ethos of, of Liverpool. You know, let's bring Liverpool up to date if we mm. can. Jurgen Klopp, like many managers in pre-season tours, they're much more available and you know they, they're actually speaking very intelligently. Now, if you look at someone like Klopp, talks about the emotional intelligence that he brings to his job, you know, WhatsApp groups to, to players and all that sort of stuff. Yet underly, underlying that is this edginess when he's challenged, the intensity that he needs for his job. Mm. When does that intensity become self-destructive at such an emotionally charged club as Liverpool? when you start losing too many games because then he starts putting the blame that, that you you end up with a blame culture and you put it on other people i mean i thought it was quite in interesting in terms of jürgen klopp that there was a man who read his own script at his previous club at dortmund he decided mm -hmm. i'm going to take a break here and step out of it and have a breather before i come back in at what i believe will be the right place mm -hmm. so i think jürgen klopp's smart enough to know when things are going badly wrong for him. I think your point, Mike, about the personality cult we've got from managers and the lack of, uh, and the lack of time that they get, it's reflected to me in that there was no bigger personality in football than Bill Shankly, and yet Bill Shankly went seven years without winning a trophy. Mm. And Liverpool stood by him, and quite rightly so. Can you imagine any manager today of that ilk, at that level, going seven years without a trophy? Because there's, an, there's a culture of excess in modern football. Let's just take today as an example. Yeah. Monday morning, you've got Cristiano Ronaldo in Madrid up for his uh, tax fraud trial, 14-odd million euro. Yeah. They're building a soundstage for him so that he can give his press conference afterwards. <laughs> Elsewhere in Spain, you've got Neymar. Yeah. Well, it's not in Spain. He's going to. He looks like he's going to be uh, having his PSG medical in Qatar. 
<laughs> on Wednesday yeah. after coming back from China. His dad has conveniently delayed that transfer until after July the uh, sorry uh, after July the 31st, yeah. so that he picks up a 25 million euro loyalty bonus. Mm. All this stuff that's going on. When will people get fed up with yeah. it? <laughs> I think people are, are kind of fed up with it already. But the, but the problem is we, we just love the game and we want to see great players. And I think we will... I, I don't see fans being turned off by, by the game itself. I think that the circus around it, all this money, it does make people feel jealous. It makes them feel a little bit sick. Um, it makes me feel quite uncomfortable when you think about those those figures. I mean, for yeah. his dad to receive 20-odd million um, you know, just Matt, for a loyalty. Just to interject on one point, if that was an English club, and again, we have not seen the details of his father's agreement with mm -hmm. Barcelona, mm -hmm. but the fact is, in an English footballer's contract, most of them, if not all, would get an annual stage payment linked to, quotes, loyalty. Yeah. So the fact you're at the club on August 1st yeah. would trigger another payment. All you've got to do is say to Neymar in this case, if you want to go to PSG, put in a formal transfer request, because under English contract law, that would negate any claim his father would have, and you actually make him ask for the transfer yeah. so you can stop any of the, the games over loyalty payments. But you're dead right. The, the fact is we've gone in our lifetime from having footballers who people could relate to and really feel they knew in their community. Yeah. And then you've seen them moving up the market as things have gone till now, the stratospheric yeah, and, and beyond different. pop stars are, in this case. Yeah, look, no, no fan can relate to the players anymore. That's long since passed. I think most fans just care about what they see on the pitch, to be perfectly honest. Oh, this is just part of the circus. It's, it's, the figures are so far removed from reality, actually, that people would probably switch off from it. What about well, Maurizio Pochettino? Mm -hmm. He's made a conscious attempt not to join the clowns in that circus, hasn't he? <laughs> well, how, how much courage does that take, given the whole culture about it, win something or you're it out? It takes courage to give young players a chance, without a doubt. And he has to be given a lot of credit for doing that. Um, Arsene Wenger has also given young players a chance throughout his uh, tenure at, at, at Highbury and now Emirates. But both of those managers have actually... There have been other factors around it. They haven't managed clubs that have um, made it their policy to buy, buy, buy. Um, and for Spurs at the moment, they're in that unique position, like Arsenal were previously, where they, they, they have the ground to pay for. So, so he's in, he's got the money, but not nowhere near as much as anybody else. So I don't think we should sort of hold him aloft as the champion of, of youth necessarily, because I think if, if he was managing Manchester United or City, he'd be spending the money as well. That's my general belief. Mm. But, but to give a kid a chance these days takes some bottle because, as we've outlined already, you're only ever four or five games away from the sack. And playing young players is risky business. Well, he's done that with Deli Alley to great effect. Mm. But again, this is where the sort of law of contradiction comes in. Because he's made that choice, because Ali has responded so fantastically well, we're now beginning to get the drip feed. Barcelona are really interested in him. There's going to be a lot of pressure, for instance, on Liverpool to sell Coutinho mm. now. Um, do you see Barcelona coming into the English market and beginning just, just cherry-pick... Oh, absolutely, as they did with Luis Suarez. Without, without a doubt, yeah, I can see that. that we We... English football, arguably, should be more resilient to that than we've ever been in terms of 
the wages we're why, paying people. Why aren't we are. asking ourselves why, if, we, if we're so rich compared to the other leagues, which we are in terms mm. of the revenue, and we've got we, we, all our clubs top the richest, why aren't we getting the true elite players to come to the Premier League? Because they prefer to play at places like Barcelona yeah. and Real Madrid. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and, and I think it, until the English clubs do much, much better in the Champions League, I think we're, we're stuck it's in that chicken rut. chicken and egg, though, isn't it? We're yeah, stuck exactly. in that rut. But, but hang on, Mike, one thing you... you you flagged up a question about Pochettino and his belief in giving youth a chance. Absolutely spot on. He did it at Southampton as well. That is in his personal DNA as a manager. He will do it just as we know others who are very, very reluctant to even give a kid a sniff of getting in the first team. Right. But those kids, those youngsters at Tottenham and before at Southampton weren't found by Pochettino I don't believe Dele Alli will have been scouted by Pochettino. Mm. So whoever's dealing with their scouting system, mm. who has put those kids into the building, and if you look at all the great teams we've seen in English football where it's been based around homegrown players, guess what? It's tied to how good your scouts are and spotting the kids with real, mm. real raw material talent. So that can be the class of 92 to a Steven Gerrard and a Jamie Carragher on Merseyside. It can be to Harry Kane and guys knocking around as, as little boys, basically. Mm. But somebody's seen that nugget of gold and they've got the right yeah. club at the right I, time and the right manager I, at the right I, time. Yeah, you need the right manager. I still believe that if, if someone is good enough, that the, any any good judge will, will be able to see that and to give them a chance. I, 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 I do agree. Pochettino is, has been excellent at giving the kids a chance. Um, but if he, if he was in charge of City, he would still be spending colossal amounts of money on ready-made players as well. Yeah, you, you talked earlier there about attracting the best players into the Premier League. Now... Gareth Bale yeah. has been, without doubt, the best export from British football Brilliant. for years. He's adapted to the politics of Real Madrid, he's adapted to his stature, really responded. Now, there was a flurry of, of interest you know, created by a, almost a throwaway comment by Zidane yeah. um, about he hoped to have his full group this season. Mm -hmm. Is it realistic to expect him to come back to Man United? At some point, I think he probably will. Well, he will, at some point he will come back to the Premier League, and when he does, because of the stature of him as a player, there's a limited amount of clubs that he would join. I, I, I would hazard a guess that Man United would be be strong favourites for him. But he doesn't want to come at the moment. Gareth Bale loves it at Real Madrid, so I. I don't see he unless Zinedine Zidane sits across the table and says to Gareth Bale, "I don't want you anymore." then I think Gareth Bale will, will stay at Real Madrid. If that conversation ever happens, in, in his shoes, I would say, thank you very much, sell me then. And uh, and if he was to be sold tomorrow, you know for a fact there'd be either Manchester City or Manchester United that would be in for him. Yeah, and he'd be the signing. OK, Jose Mourinho, when he signs Matic late mm. in the week, he would have spent over £300 million in the last 12 months. Mm but a bail signing would be of a completely oh, different completely. magnitude. And that, that, those are the signings where actually you start saying, gosh, this was a you know, British or a world record transfer. And if you look through the history of those, nearly all of them come off the great signings because they are truly great players. In a sense, Mike, a Gareth Bale world record, a Gareth Bale going as he did to Real Madrid... That doesn't trouble me as much as the crazy prices we're playing for lesser players yeah. like Matic, who's 29, is it today or tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. You know, and he's a steady Eddie Premier League footballer, but what, you know, 
with Manchester Blue. It's £50 million for that. And that's the one where I just go, what? You know, what is he doing? And, you know, the, my other feeling about this, or fear about it, you look at clubs like United with the tradition of from the Busby Babes onwards, obviously through Fergie years, you look at how much Manchester City have invested in their academy. I mean, they spent a fortune both in recruiting these youngsters who are in there and in the facilities that they believed would attract the best young players in the world. To Man City, but but how many of those are going to they come through? They only need one. They only need one, and it's paid for. Mm. If they only need one, Gareth Bale, it's paid for. So that's why they do it. What's two hundred million between friends? <laughs> when we look at Man United and, and their recruitment process, you know, what we've got with Matic is, you know, is functional. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, a functional in that position. They're linked uh, with Serge, Serge Aurier, the the PSG yeah. fullback, and Ivan. Perisic. Mm. Some talk even of Martial being some sort of mateweight in that deal. Just shows you how quickly things can change because Martial was the great yeah. golden child. Wasn't he, he was, yeah. Things can change just like that in football. I know that. I was in the first team one year. I was playing at South End the next. It, things can change. Um, you are only as good as your last game sometimes, and it depends on the manager and how things change. Personally, I think Anthony Martial's still got quite a bright future in football. I think he's a better player than Perisic, to be perfectly honest. I think he's got more potential. So that isn't a deal I'd be doing in Jose Mourinho's shoes. Um, so, yeah, watch this space. But uh, they could do with a right-back. I think Sergio Aurier potentially would improve. Actually, no, they don't need a right-back, do they? They've got Antonio Valencia. It's, a, it's a, probably a left-back where they, they need to strengthen. Um, but, no, Martial for Perisic. I think very different players, and, and I would be keeping Martial. But, again, if a manager just takes a dislike to you as a footballer, yeah. you, you need to look away. You need to look outside and think, right, you know, maybe I need to go. And Mourinho didn't sign Martial. Like, end of story in the sense of he will be backing the people. Not his mark on but we've it. said Correct. that with Luke Shaw. It's, it feels as if, like, Jose Mourinho's got something against Luke Shaw. So there's a part of me that thinks if I was in Luke Shaw's Shaw shoes, I'd be thinking, well, I need to go here. Yeah. Um, but but hopefully, because Luke Shaw's a good player, Anthony Martial's a good player, hopefully it'll give them a good opportunity to show their worth this season. I think both can come good for him. And people are, are trying to exploit United's wealth and ambition and that edge of desperation that you, you see there. You know, Torino, Andrea Bellotti, mm. £90 million pounds mm. to you, sir. Well, I'm sorry, good player and, and yeah. all that, but £90 million? Yeah. Are you sure? But I tell you something I heard, Mike, and this was from inside the building there. Man United's riches are so great, they actually, I don't say happily accept, but they reluctantly accept that they do get stitched up on some transfer valuations. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to pay way over the odds, but when it comes to let's get a deal over the line, well, I think Manchester well, United know that, that they pay over the odds because of who they it's are. It's better to do that, surely, than to make a pig's ear of it, like Liverpool have of this window. If they'd really wanted Cater, they'd have gone in with a... If they were serious about spending the money, they would have, they would have gone to, to, to what Leipzig would, would want. Mate, you can't tell me he's got no price. I'm sure there was a price Leipzig would put on his head. The same with Van Dijk to some degree. Um, I think Liverpool have messed around going up in twos and threes and fours. Sometimes you've got... But Van Dijk's more important to them than Cater in the immediate... Yeah, they should have. They, sh they may still get Van Dijk. They, they, they need a centre-half. They desperately stop. need a centre-half. I'm amazed more clubs haven't gone for Virgil van Dijk this summer. I think he would improve Arsenal. He would improve Liverpool. I think he would improve Chelsea. He would have definitely improve Manchester City. 
Um, but it seems that only Liverpool are prepared to stump up the cash, but not quite enough. Um, yeah, it surprises me. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea, who I agree with you, probably could do with a Van Dijk. They're now preparing to spend £61 million on um, Alexandro from, from Juventus. Absolutely, which, again, <laughs> from where people were two or three months ago when the first whispers came out, because he's a cover defender. You know, he can play centre-back. He prefers playing as a full-back. Manchester City were looking at him as a left-back and decided not to go there. But at that point, the word from Italy was he's a sort of 20 to £30 million. Pound. Now we're getting close to a deal and, <laughs> and panic setting in. I mean, whether they will actually sign off a £61 million deal might, you know, I hate to think. But this is, as you're saying, right at the start, this is the whole climate that we're... It's this frenzy. There's almost a feeding frenzy. And if you take a step back, as Tottenham have done so far, and I'm convinced Tottenham will strengthen because they need to. They've yeah. sold people. You, you know, you can't just sell yeah. the likes of Carl Walker without well, bringing Daniel somebody Levy's replacement. Well, Daniel Levy's the careful shopper, basically. Absolutely. He's, he's the guy who waits until the sales are in the shop and yeah. then he goes that in is, and buys what he wanted the, in the first the place. The problem is, if it, when you're spending £50, £60 million pound on fullbacks, what happens when Chelsea have got this unbelievably talented kid coming through the ranks is he's going to be that for uh, Vitesse it's going to be so much harder for, for him to yeah. take the place of a 60 million pounds defender isn't it than, than yeah. if they were a 15 million pound defender if he ever gets that chance yeah absolutely yeah that, 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 young players there is a massive problem with young players at the moment yeah well and this is the first time that there's a real disconnect between the academy and the first team at Chelsea. There have always been people on the fringes. They've never been trusted, yeah. obviously, because we know, you know John Terry was the last yes. academy player or product to be a regular. Yeah. But with Chaloba leaving the building, Loftus-Cheek going, they, you know, Charlie Mazonda's in there, but there, there is no real pretense now that the academy has got any link to what's going on at no, first team. No, right? but, but for all these, for these young players, this is their chance now. This is their chance to prove themselves in competitive football. And if they were, if they were good enough, or if they are good enough to play for a club like Chelsea as a first teamer, they'll prove it at Watford, at Crystal Palace um, and whatnot. So the ball, the ball is in their court now and we'll find out in the season ahead how good these players are. And, and my hunch on Shaloba and Loftus-Cheek is that actually they probably are a rung below Chelsea yeah. and, and but, that they've actually probably made the right decision. But Adrian, <laughs> how can Chelsea justify the sort of riches they have offered those kids at 15 and 16 to their families to sign for Chelsea and to turn away from some very good championship clubs where they would have got a chance? Now, we know why parents, you know, the parents see the money, the pot of gold is there at 16 and I totally understand why parents grab it yeah. for, for the money. Mm -hmm. If you look and say, hang on, just park the, yeah. the pot of gold for a minute, look at your son's long-term football yeah. career, as you hinted yeah, earlier, yeah. you wouldn't do it. Well, it's you, a bird in the hand, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. The but, 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 <laughs> if you look at, yeah, as a case study, yeah. Jaden Sancho at Manchester yes. City, potentially the best player of his generation. Right, OK. 17 years old, has just turned down £30,000 a week yeah. uh, because he thinks he will get a better crack of the whip elsewhere. Yeah. He's well, been, that's he's good been, to hear. He's been ferried around Borussia Dortmund as a, as a visiting prince. Yeah. <laughs> Tottenham are interested. Yeah. They won't get anywhere near £30,000 a week for well, him. It would be interesting to see what Arsenal. he takes. Well, what will he take? Arsenal. I, no, you know, you're close to their club. Yeah. I get the impression that they are looking at the youth system mm. and thinking, well, we've just lost Chris Willock. Mm. Do we need to restock and reevaluate how we 
do with well, young players. Each player has their own worth, don't they? You just have to judge what you think they're worth in the long term. If City thinks that Sancho's worth £30,000 a week at 17, you know, that's, that's fair enough. Arsenal might value him at £10,000 a week, which is still a lot of money for a, for a 17 year old. It'd be fascinating to, to find out what happens eventually here. And I think it'll tell you a lot about this particular player's character. If he does genuinely want to move because of the pathway, Will he go somewhere for five grand a week, ten grand a week, when he could have had 30? Well, no, if he goes to Dortmund, mm. he's going to go there for his education, mm. not for his yeah. bank balance. And, and, and if you're a coach, if you're another manager, you'll probably look at that and think, OK, that, that, that kid's got his head screwed on, and that will make you even more inclined to, to look at him in the future. But, yeah, it can, it, all this money can spoil so many potential players because they've just got they got way too much too soon before they've even they've even made it and uh, the motivation goes unfortunately but, we know but this hang on we forget one thing yeah. if you've grown up or your family have been in dire straits financially mm. and the sort of home on an estate you've grown up in and a football a premier league club comes and starts offering you and by your son yeah. half a million pounds signing yeah. on at 15 16 15 grand a week wages as a regular thing plus doubling that if you hit the first team i'm afraid parents are grabbing it yeah. and the tragedy is that isn't often the best way for their yeah. kids to but, progress. But it's, the meal they, it's the meal tickets in. Absolutely. Yeah, it is the meal totally. ticket. But if, if they've got that, you need, it takes a very special character, I would say, an individual to handle that amount of money and still retain the hunger, the desire and the focus, mm. the dedication to, to make the best of themselves as, as a footballer. If you look at Chelsea, they've made loans to 87 different clubs over the last five years. Uh, Izzy Brown was the latest one to come mm. out and say, look, I don't think I've got a chance at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think he, he is a potential Premier League mm. player. Mm. Uh, yet on the same wavelength, you've got Chelsea being linked with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, with Ross Barclay, who, with the greatest respect to those two, are not quite the stellar signing that you would expect a, a, you know, a, a great young player to be sidelined no, by. Absolutely, mate. And the other thing that gets me with Chelsea, and I know, I think it was Kurt Zuma last week, yeah. went to Stoke yeah, on loan, yeah, yeah. but he signs a new four-year contract before well, he goes. Just, that's just protecting you know, the investment, well, isn't it? Well, yeah, but why? I mean, he, if you want to give him a four-year contract, surely it'd be around your first team. You give him a new two-year contract, give him well, a one-year extension. When you sell him in two years' time, you, 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 the transfer fee would reflect the, the contract. The time has come, surely, where we ban Premier League to Premier League loans. It's, yeah, it's, well, it's inherently yeah. unfair. Well, they were really banned there. That was the fact. When, well, they, when the Premier League started, so, so, yeah. Premier League clubs they, weren't, they, were, they were not to allowed to loan players to each Championship other. Championship is a, is a more than adequate standard for a young player to be loaned to or go overseas. It's, it's unfair because Zuma is a really good defender. Zuma, a rate, I think he will improve Stoke's back line, yet when he plays Chelsea, they'll, they'll be weakened. Mm. They'll have to readjust to life without their best defender mm. in, t in those two big, big games. It, it can't be right. That rule has to change. You watched a lot of Arsenal in the pre-season, yeah. Adrian. Uh, Reese Nelson in the Emirates Cup at the weekend. By the way, how, how on earth do Arsenal <laughs> win a tournament when they lose a game yeah. and the people who finish second have won both their games? Look, it's What's all about silverware. It's one in the bag. <laughs> Actually, two. Bayern Munich beat Bayern Munich on penalties. So, look, that's two trophies it's in the bag. because of Arsenal's ethos. It's not about the winning, remember. Arsenal, explain it to you. It's yeah. about the ethos of the club and how we play the when, game. When, so. when Arsenal win the Community Shield at the weekend, I'm, I'm expecting Arsenal to lift up three fingers <laughs> with a trophy celebration. Um, 
Reese Nelson, I guess you're going to ask me about him. Um, yeah, I think he's the closest of the, of the next generation to, to being given a chance. But unfortunately, there's, there's some really good players in his way. But I do like him. I think he's got uh, an innate confidence about him. I don't think he's phased by being part of the first team group. He's got electric pace, real skill. But the bottom line is, when it comes to the serious business of the Premier League... I think he'd be very fortunate to get close to the substitutes bench. It, it, mm. For him, this season, he will have an opportunity in the in the League Cup, in the Carabao Cup, I think it's called this year. Mm. Um, if he grabs that, he'll probably get a chance in the Europa League, and, and that's where he is. Um, but but you do know with Arsene Wenger that, that as we've got Iwobi in the team, we've got Bayer in at the moment, um, other young players, uh, Rob Holden. If he delivers for him in competitive games, in the cup competitions, he'll get more opportunities. Do you think they'll eventually end up getting Thomas Lamar? You know, was it three bids now? And again, Monaco has sold so many players; they can just wait and wait well, and wait. Can't I they? think, Mike, that's the the problem for Arsenal is <laughs> they've almost got on the end of mm. the Monaco sales, mm. and then the Monaco president's now saying no more Not to go enough. out the door. That's it. And you can see how his, his first-choice team from last year... Apart has been, if you know Mbappe, by the way. Well, indeed, but you know what I mean. In terms of you, you this, the offer-you-can't-refuse mm. type syndrome and yeah. the do-we-need-to-lose-any-more... How How's Lamar going to feel? How's Mbappe going to feel when they've seen their mates go off and earn three times as much elsewhere uh, and they've got half the team they had last year? It's a real problem for Monaco. I'd like to see him at Arsenal. I think he's a really, really good player. Yeah. They've got that issue, though, Arsenal, at the moment, because it feels as if, I don't know, but it feels as if Real Mahrez is their plan B with Roma after him. Well, there, there have is, been two bids by Roma, which has been yeah, rejected by There is a chance Leicester. here that Arsenal will be kept on the hook by Monaco, miss out on Lamar, oh, and then it'll be Mar too late for Mahrez. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd personally like to see Arsenal be really decisive, put their final bid on the table now, and, and if it's not accepted, then walk away and move what, on. What do you think, David, about Arsene Wenger's contention that uh, actually it's, quote, ideal for players to be allowed to run down their contracts and leave for nothing? Weirdly, I can see one bit of logic in that, and I state, I think it was the Juventus team that won a Champions League final mm -hmm. that had won Ravanelli and Gianluca Viali up front for them, both out of contract, and saw the season through. Mm -hmm. So it could happen for mm -hmm. you. <laughs> knowing people, and certainly knowing some footballers as I do, I think the basic human instinct about needing to be a hungry fighter, to be totally committed to what you're doing, to actually have any sense of an eye on the ball over there, be it the new Camp or can I move in the Premier League somewhere? Mm. I've got to say, I think it's a very dangerous game. I mean, if he really does think... I mean, the fact is, Mike, normally in football, if a player wants to leave yeah. a club and really kicks off to the point of saying, mm. I refuse to play, mm. you get out of that yeah. club. Fact. You know, the, the, the occasions where anybody's really turned it around and had a long-term future there, a few. But, so if you kick off, it's going to happen. The danger in your club of having a feel that maybe two of these players who I'm now holding to prove the point, mm. 
and it could be Sanchez, for instance, if he doesn't deliver this year, it's not so much what the fans are thinking, it's what his own teammates are thinking. You don't want to be here. Yeah. You know, we're putting the shift in and, and, yeah. and you're not. If that's, and I always remember, in my time at Leeds, we had the best ever transfer request came in and it was from Rio Ferdinand, who'd been away at the World Cup in 2002. And Rio's actual, because we said you've got to put it in writing, and his actual request was he requested a transfer so he could join Manchester United. Now, as the chairman of Leeds pointed out, well, hang on, Rio, how do you know we're going to sell you there? Because maybe somebody will bid more. <laughs> And there was a sort of quick reach. Well, that's where I'd prefer to go. You think, well, it's all done and dusted. Yeah. There's, a lovely, there's a lovely sort of team notification over the weekend, yeah. uh, Swansea. Yeah. Where no, normally it's, you know, Fred Bloggs is, is out because of a thigh strain yeah. or Joe Blow is out yeah. because of uh, laryngitis. Yeah. Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yeah. Out because of transfer speculation. <laughs> yeah. Transferitis is a common it's a common illness. <laughs> let me tell you, transferitis. Look, we've seen it throughout the years though. Transferitis, it will it will crop up. He'll go to Everton, won't he? It's, it feels like it, yeah. And uh, he'll be an excellent signing. Although, I must say that I'm looking at that Everton front line and I'm thinking, where's the, where's the power? Where's the incision? Where's that pace? Well, that's the centre um, forward he wants. Cooman yeah. want, as he yeah. said. After last week's European, he needs many, the Lukaku how many replacement. How many number 10s does, does Koeman want? Mm. I know that Barkley's on his way out, but Klassen is a, is a 10 of mm. sorts. Rooney is a 10 mm. of sorts. Sigerson is is really, that is his mm. specialist position. Um, if one of those guys plays up front, I, I, they won't be half the team without Romelu Lukaku. They need desperately a player that will run in behind. Can I ask you a quiz question now? Mm. Right, Which player... Covered more yards in the Premier League last season yeah, than any was, other. I think it was him, wasn't it? Sig Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson yeah. Which yeah. player has scored more direct free kicks mm. since he came into English football mm. than anybody else? Mm. Sigurdsson. So Rooney can step aside if Everton get a direct free kick. <laughs> and finally, apart from Jamie Vardy, who scored more goals against the top six teams last season in the Premier League, okay. Sigurdsson. Yeah. So you've got to make... Are you sure you're not his agent? <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what, I was told these stats two weeks ago and checked them, and I was, A, astonished, yeah. and, B, surprised how he stayed off the radar of so many clubs, yeah. but then, C, thinking, I can see why Everton want to sign him and why he would probably be automatically in the team oh, ahead of he, people he, like Classic. In my opinion, he'd be the best player at Everton, mm. straight away. So, so yeah, he's well worth spending the money, even though he's he's knocking on a little bit in in terms of age. Yeah, but poor old Swansea. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're talking about having to recycle well, Alvaro Negredo. Yeah, well, mm. on the Swansea theme, it, surely it, can there not be a? I guess it will come down to wages. But but for, for me, Ross Barkley, he's, he's got he's running out of real options here. I think it would actually be in his interest for the for the resurrection of his career to go the other way in that deal. I don't think it will happen because I don't think Swansea will pay Ross Barkley the money he wants. But if he wants to resurrect his England career, I think I think he should go to somewhere like that. Mm. You know, we're coming to that time of year where we're still in that two, what I call two-season mode. We've still got the remnants of last season's competitions going on, i.e. the uh, women's oh. Euros. Uh, and then we've got, um, this weekend, we've got the Community Shield. I want to talk about those two factors to end the... Uh, show. The we've got a, a semi-final to look forward to with England uh, later in the week. How important is that game 
for the future of women's football in this country. Oh, it's massively important and good luck to them. They've, they've had a brilliant tournament so far. I didn't think they were at the best against France, but as we know, it's, it's a bit like the men's team beating Germany 43 years since they'd beaten the France team. Mm -hmm. So whatever it takes in the tournament, they've done it. I think Mark Sampson faces a new challenge now because everybody is presenting them as favourites to win the tournament, which he clearly doesn't want, and it changes the whole perspective of, of how we see him. But weirdly, my dear wife pointed out to me not too long ago, isn't it interesting the fact that the, uh, the women's cricket team can win a major tournament, the women's football team could go and become champions of Europe, and we've got the debate over fair wages within a certain television corporation at the same time. When is there going to be fairness for all? Now, I'm not going to go down that road with <laughs> women's Good. football just yet, <laughs> given the wages we're talking about. But it, it does reflect the yeah. incredible growth over the last 20 yeah. years of mm. the participation and the standard of the, the kids, elite players. The, the, yeah, the, the girls that are playing the game, so many more these days, and it's brilliant to see. Um, I've seen, with my own son, I've seen uh, girls in the younger age groups play with the boys, and often the girls are the best player on the pitch. Mm. And then it gets to a certain age where they then have to play in girls-only team. No, it's absolutely brilliant. And the, the standard, I must mm. say, of, of, of this Euros has been very high. Uh, Mark Sampson, the manager I think has done an unbelievable Tactically, job. He's done Tactically really well. he's been outstanding. They're so well drilled, so organised and they haven't been the best team against France, mm. against Spain for, for periods of that game they were in trouble, they didn't have hardly any of the ball no. yet they still found a way to win and that I think was testament to Samson's tactics. It'll be fascinating to see um, if any professional men's team go after Mark Sampson in the future because he's shown a real tactical eye. Um, but yeah, for now, I think he, he's the right man in charge and the, and the girls are doing the country proud. It has been a great tournament because one, women's football has been taken on its own merits. There's no you know, facile comparisons with the men's game. That's no. just a nonsense. Mm. But secondly, as a, as a spectacle, as an occasion, this semi-final against Holland will be amazing. Mm. I saw something on social media over the weekend where it was the flood of Dutch supporters going to the game and they stretched for you know, what looked like miles mm. and they were dancing. It was like a line dance. They were dancing over the road, <laughs> all in orange. Yeah. Now, if that type of atmosphere is translated to the game, yeah. that's going to be a fantastic occasion. Absolutely. And I think that's another big challenge for England yeah. to take on the host nation. I mean, th listen, the, the fact is attendances at women's football are not superb outside some of the Wembley showpieces. Mm -hmm. So the Women's Premier League yeah. games well, don't get it. It is what it is. It's yeah, in the state of transition, isn't it? I was just going to say, Mike, when you saw even you know the game against France, they're not going to fill a stadium the size that they were playing in last night. But it changes with the Netherlands game. Mm -hmm. Playing the host nation, be that place will yeah. be rocking. And as we know, the Dutch fans are great in the colourfulness of it all, the nature of their support, the vocal mm. nature. It'll be a brilliant setting and a great test Mike, for England. You asked me earlier about whether fans will be put off by the, by the, the crazy wealth in the, in the men's game. I think the purity of the women's game is really appealing to a lot of fans who like sport. And we saw that with the TV figures. The TV figures, the viewing figures here in this country 
have been fantastic. 3.3 million. Absolutely the, fantastic. The Not just for the, for, the, for the women's football, for the women's cricket as well. Mm. Unbelievable figures for that World Cup final. So that, there is a lot to be said, I think, for, for the purity uh, and the, not innocence of, of women's sport, but it is very different and it, that is definitely an appealing factor. Right. Talking of innocence, let's, let's deal with Jose Mourinho's favourite trophy now, shall we? The Community mm. Shield. Mm. Um, already, uh, it seems that Conte's getting his excuses in early. You know, we, we're tired from our mm. pre-season uh, endeavours you know, to sell shirts in China. That didn't go terribly well because of Kennedy. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and Arsenal, you know, they, they lost in their own tournament, although they won it. Do we read anything into the Community Shield? Right. Since the Premier League started in 1992, there have been 25 Community Shield matches played. Of the winners, only seven winners went on to win the league the next season. Only two clubs make up those seven winners. Manchester United five times, Chelsea twice. So the fact is, that's 28%. The chances are the champions won't come from the game that we're going to see at Wembley next weekend. Fact. Now, if you look at it, it's a pre-season friendly, played in a great setting where there is something on it because you've got a trophy at the end of it, something that does have a certain cachet. But it's just preparation time for the new season. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Now, we put pride into it and what they're trying to prove, and I understand Conte getting his excuses in early, but just be realistic about it. If your team loses on Sunday, that does not put them out of the league title race. No one no would remember this game. Uh, in week two of the season, it's as simple as that. Mm. It, look, it, you want to win it, you're in it. It's a glamour, it's a glamour friendly, to some degree. But yeah, it, I, I think Arsenal won it a couple of years ago. Brilliant win against Manchester City, and then they lost the first game of the season to Liverpool. Mm. So, and, and then so you've gone from that relative high to, to to a major low and, and almost a, a crisis in, in by the end of August. Show you how volatile it is. That first year of the Premier League. The, it was a great game, the Charity Shield. It ended Leeds 4, Liverpool 3. If you recall that, there was a hat-trick hero at Wembley that day, one Eric Cantona playing for Leeds, and by November, he's <laughs> off to Man United. So, <laughs> Yeah, look, I, don't, I don't think either team are in great shape, to be yeah. perfectly honest. What about Arsenal? You've seen a lot yeah, of them. They, they, they've got a lot of work to do, I think. Lacazette? Before. Um, I've, I've been impressed by Lacazette. I think he is a player that maybe lacks a, a presence at times. He's not. He, he will hold the ball up and link play quite nicely, but, but he's a small guy. Um, and for, for me, he's more of a box player. When Arsenal create chances, he will he will get in the right places to finish them off. He scored two goals in pre-season so far. Both one-touch finishes, great positioning, lovely little runs. I think when Arsenal are sharp and when they're providing the ammo. He will score a hatful of goals this season. But there will be occasions where Arsene Wenger will need a different type of centre-forward and Olivier Giroud. And for that reason, I think that they, they really should keep hold of him and persuade him to stay another year. Because in different games, different passages of a game, you need a physical guy. You need a big fella in the box to create chaos. And unfortunately, Lacazette doesn't offer that. But I think it'll be a success in terms of goals. But I don't see him starting every single game this year. Mm -hmm. So make your mind up time in terms of a prediction for Wembley. Who wins? I think Arsenal will win at the weekend. Uh, and as I say, I don't think that will make them the imminent Premier League champions for next May. Yeah.
Um, I'm actually going to go against the grain here. Um, based on what I saw in the first match between Chelsea and Arsenal over in China, um, I'll probably say that Chelsea win this game because Arsenal haven't got their back three settled yet. haven't once had their best back three available and uh, I think they're just a little bit short at the moment. Well, Chelsea look a bit undercooked to me. Arsenal to win, but will that be enough for some fans? Doubt it. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.